Amen. We don't have to answer out loud, but I have a couple questions for you guys. Number one, have you ever sat down and read the Bible for 5, 10, or 15 minutes, and then at the end of it you ask, what in the world did I just read? Or have you ever wanted to read the Bible, but just didn't know where to start from? You didn't know which of these 66 books to read from? Or have you ever just had the desire that you want to read the Bible more, but you struggle to put that into practice? And so if your answer was yes to any of these questions, uh, then we are going to start a perfect discussion for you today as we are talking about how to read the Bible. This is something that I've been uh, looking forward to for a while. I've actually had the general idea behind uh, this series for a little over a year now, uh, but I didn't have a great spot for it last year in the preaching calendar. So here we are. We get to talk about how to read the Bible. And the truth of the matter is, it's quite simple. All you got to do is take out your Bible, whether it's in print or on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever, and you open it. And beginner tip, you read from left to right. That is how you read the Bible. And you can pick it up wherever you want. That, that is as simple as it can get. Uh, but lucky for us all, or uh, hopefully lucky for us all, we're actually going to dig a little deeper into detail on how we can read the Bible and get value and worth out of the scriptures. And my ultimate goal is that you all, will be able to, on your own time at home, spend 5, 10, or 15 minutes, however long it may be, reading the Bible, and we can help eliminate this feeling or this thought of, what in the world did I just read? Because if we're going to be honest, I'm guessing all of us, myself included, all of us have been there at one point or time or another. And hopefully, hopefully we can either eliminate this once and for all, or we can reduce the, the frequency in which uh, this takes place. Now, according uh, to Pro Church Tools, a, a resource that provides tools, pro tools uh, for churches, uh, they say the phrase Bible study how-to receives 538,541 unique monthly searches on YouTube in America, just in the United States. So over 500,000 searches are people trying to discover, how do I study my Bible? And on similar notes, uh, the phrase Bible study how-to receives 60,500 unique monthly searches on Google in America. So that's about 600,000 searches between both YouTube and Google that people are trying to decipher how in the world do I study my Bible. And on top of that, more than half of all American adults. So this survey went to try and survey not just Christians, but all American adults. And more than half of all American adults, 58%, wish they read the Bible more often. And so this tells me there, there's, a fir, there, there's a thirst to gain more knowledge. There's a thirst to read the Bible, a desire to read the Bible more, attain the information, the value, the worth behind the scriptures. 
But oftentimes, we don't know how to put it into practice. We, we may often have that experience where we open it up and we're feeling motivated, we're feeling on top of the world, we go, you know what, I'm going to read God's word today, and we open it and we read a couple of chapters and we have that question, what in the world did I just read? And so now there, when we talk about how to read the Bible or how to study the Bible, there are a lot of obstacles in our way of being able to sit down and read the scriptures and understand what we just read. For starters, the Bible was originally written in completely different languages. Anybody here speak fluent Hebrew or Greek? Raise your hand. None of us, myself included. Uh, the Bible was written ha- literally like halfway across the earth. All the events of the Bible took place halfway across the earth. The Bible was written in a completely different culture. It was written a couple thousand years ago. And so there's so many obstacles that are in our way of being able to pick up this unique book, this unique collection of books, and being able to understand what we have just read. And so throughout this series, last about eight weeks, uh, so buckle up, uh, throughout this series, I'm going to take my old school uh, preaching robe off, my old school preaching persona. A lot of people say, man, Kyle, you got an old school preacher vibe in you. And I get passionate about the scriptures, but instead of getting super passionate and excited and start preaching at you guys, it's going to be more of a teacher role. We're going to be more of a lecture style uh, throughout this series, so I hope you are all okay uh, with that. Uh, This will be a great series for you all uh, to take notes on as we're going to be throwing a lot of information at you guys, especially in uh, the coming weeks. Some of this information will be information that a lot of you guys have heard of, and some of the information may be completely new to you. But today, as we start this series, we're just going to give a very, very, very brief overview of how to read the Bible, help eliminate some of the obstacles in our way to understanding uh, the scriptures. And then later on, we're going to talk about some of the different literary styles found in the Bible. We're going to take a more in-depth look at each of the different uh, subcategories of books uh, found in the scriptures. Sound good? Yes, I love it. Thank you, Anita. Yes, I love it. I got at least one person eager to learn how to read the Bible. I love it. So uh, we regard the Bible as one book. I mean, it's one binding. We, uh, and yeah, we just view it as one book. But in reality, the Bible is not just a book, but is a collection of 66 different books. And these 66 books are not organized chronologically. A lot of it does take place chronologically, but a lot of it doesn't. And they're organized by, based off these different categories. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, and there are 27 books in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see five books of law. Those are the first five books. And then we have 12 books of history, and then five books of poetry, Five books of major prophets and 12 books of minor prophets. I still remember to this day, uh, back when I was at the Bible college, Professor Bob Jones, uh, as he was the Old uh, Testament guru, uh, he said, 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. I was like, what? 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. That, that's the category of the books in the Old Testament. Five books of law, 12 books of history, five books of poetry, five books of major prophets, and 12 books of the minor prophets. So 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Repeat after me. 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. 
wow, you guys are nailing it. You're on top of your game. You get an A grade uh, thus far. So yeah, five law, 12 history, five poetry, five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. That is how the Old Testament is organized. It, it, it does, again, it doesn't take place. It's not organized chronologically, but they fit into different sections, subcategories of um, scripture. And we're going to take a more in-depth look at each of these different categories in the coming weeks. And in the New Testament, there are 27 books of the New Testament, and they are as organized as follows. Sorry, I don't have any cool 512, 5512 for you. Uh, but they are the four uh, books of the Gospels. Uh, that's the, the beginning of the New Testament, uh, the books all about Jesus. And then we get into Acts. Acts sometimes kind of lumped into uh, the four Gospels. Sometimes it's kind of viewed as its own. And then we get into the uh, Pauline epistles. Epistles, just a fancy word for letters. Um, and so these are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And then we have eight general epistles um, that just other people uh, wrote. And then finally, Revelation sometimes just gets lumped in its own category as that's a very unique uh, book as well. And so these books of the Old Testament, all 39 books of the Old Testament, they were all written before Christ was born. And all of these 39 books of the Old Testament, they were very solidified by the time Christ began his ministry. That was, this, that was the scripture that the Jews had, the, the, the Hebrew scripture. And uh, so that was all solidified before Christ was born. Now, the books of the New Testament, they were written shortly after Christ died, but they weren't solidified until a couple hundred years after uh, Christ died. So we determined uh, church uh, influences, church uh, leaders, church fathers, they determined what would be uh, the 27 books in the New Testament. Now, when we're talking about the Old Testament specifically, it was originally written in Hebrew, most of uh, the Old Testament. There are actually parts of the Old Testament, um, parts of Ezra and Daniel are actually written in Aramaic, uh, kind of a common uh, language at the time uh, uh, of Daniel and Ezra, the time of the exile, and also the common language of Jesus himself. And so Old Testament, though, mostly written in Hebrew, and the New Testament originally written in Greek. But now these 66 books, this collection of books, they are, we, we all know they are no ordinary collection of books. We all know that these 66 books have more value, have more meaning, have more authority in our lives. And now we ask, why in the world do they have more value, more authority in our lives? And I think we can sum it up to the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells us about Scripture. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so Paul tells us that the Scripture... Now, Paul, for being honest with ourselves, Paul was talking about the Old Testament scripture here, but I, but I believe all scripture and all 66 books in, in the Bible are inspired by God. 
God gave these words to these human authors to write down, and that's why they have value, that's why they have worth, and that's why they have authority over our lives. This is the ultimate source of doctrine, the ultimate source of how we can get to know our Heavenly Father better, how we can get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the promises of the kingdom, and so much more. Now, on a similar note, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 12 uh, writes, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So again, the, 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 the scripture, these collection of books were written a long time ago before any of us were ever alive. Uh, they're still living and active today. Very, very much so. Many of us probably have testaments to how the word of God is living and active today. And so one of uh, an obstacle that uh, can get in our way of understanding uh, the Bible more is we don't have, some of us may not have a good sense of the geography or the layout of the land. And so this morning, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes looking at three key locations throughout the Bible. So Ben, if you have uh, the map there for us, yeah, we're going to keep it very, very simple uh, today. And so the three key locations that we're going to talk about, that blue circle is Mesopotamia, that green circle is Palestine, and that red circle is Egypt. So there, and and this is like present-day Middle East. That green circle in the midst of that, that is Israel. That blue circle, we're talking about like Iraq and Iran and that chunk of land to the south there that's kind of cut off would be Saudi Arabia. And then over there to the southwest, that's that's Egypt and then the rest of Africa. So to give you kind of guys an idea of where the events of the scripture took place. So now when we talk about Mesopotamia, that's that blue circle. That's just a region of land. It's kind of known as the land between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And a lot takes place, most notably in the Old Testament. Uh, A lot of things take place in the Bible in Mesopotamia. For number one, the nation of Assyria is found in this land of Mesopotamia. Assyria conquered Israel. The nation of Babylon is found in uh, this land of Mesopotamia. Babylon conquered Judah. We know kind of common stories in the scriptures like Daniel and the lion's den takes place in Mesopotamia and in the land of Babylon. The Garden of Eden, we believe, is around those rivers, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. And the starting point of Abraham where he was born and raised in that land of Mesopotamia. Just to name a a, a few key locations that are found in Mesopotamia. Probably the, not probably, the main chunk of land in the Bible is that green circle. And and that's present-day Israel, known as Palestine, known as Canaan, known as the Promised Land. It takes on a number of uh, different names. But ultimately... This was the land uh, that God promised to Abraham and his descendants. And it's uh, in between the coast of the Mediterranean Sea there and uh, between the Jordan River there to the right. You probably can't really see the river, but uh, in between the Mediterranean coast and the Jordan River is the promised land, the land that God promised to Abraham and his family. 
And so a large portion of the Old Testament takes place in the Palestine area and even a larger chunk of the New Testament. Pretty much all of Jesus' ministry takes place in the land of Palestine. Uh, So that's uh, probably the key location uh, in our Bibles. And then also Egypt. If I had to give a a third place, a podium finish to some other region, it, it would be Egypt, that red circle down there. This is where the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years. Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites constantly went to the Egyptians for help, for security against all of their other enemies around them. So this is the general location, the general idea of where the events found in the scriptures take place. And so a lot of these different small cities that are talked about, like Bethlehem or Nazareth or Jerusalem, all these, um, the majority of them are found within this map, especially within that green circle, Palestine, Canaan, Israel, the promised land, any of those work. So that's the, the basic geography of the Bible. Now, probably uh, in my eyes, one of the more confusing aspects of the Bible is that the books of the Bible are not organized chronologically. And this can cause extreme confusion. But when you understand the basic time frame of when events take place, all of a sudden, the picture is all blurry and then it comes into focus a lot, lot better. And so in my eye, this might be the single biggest obstacle for us being able to understand what we are reading in the scriptures because it doesn't all take place chronologically. A lot of it kind of jumps from time to different time. And so this morning, uh, we're actually going to make a very uh, brief timeline of just uh, some of the major events in the Bible. We're we're, going to write about 10 different events found in the scriptures uh, to help kind of give us a clear idea of when these different events take place. And if we can understand the basic uh, time lapse between uh, these 10 different events, then we can have a better understanding of when these different uh, events occurred. So we'll start here. We start, we're going to use two whiteboards today. We had a big whiteboard at home, but it was a giant mess and we could not clean it off. So we're going to use two whiteboards. Um, but here starting uh, the very first event in recorded in scriptures. Does anybody have any idea? Creation. Yeah, creation. Does anybody know when creation took place? Long time ago. Yeah, that, that's a good, I'll write that right here. Long time ago. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> there are lots of different theories as to when this creation uh, took place. You kind of have the new earth theory, old earth theory. But yeah, from the words of Mike, a long time ago, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that's, that, that's how our, the, the Bible, this, the collection of books starts, is with the creation. And then the first kind of event or character that we can have a good idea of when they existed is Abraham. And I know I have terrible 
handwriting. I know some of you, a lot of you guys probably can't see it, um, but work with me. Uh, Abraham here, he, was, he lived around 2000 BC. This whole whiteboard is going to be in BC. So 2000 BC is around the time that Abraham lived. Abraham takes place in Genesis chapter 12. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, we don't really know when they took place. But after Abraham, the rest of the scriptures, we got a pretty good idea of when these events took place. So if we can just remember, Abraham was around 2000 B.C. So what that tells us is, interestingly, we're about as far away from the birth of Jesus as Abraham was. Uh, Pretty fascinating uh, there. So Abraham, a key figure uh, in uh, the scriptures. Another key figure that we should all be familiar with is Moses. And when we talk about a timeline, uh, we have to be aware uh, that archaeologists, historians, they have uh, a couple different uh, interpretations of when these events really uh, took place. Uh, but just going based off of the schooling that I was raised up with, um, and again, different ideas, different theories. But Moses took place around 1450 B.C. So about 600 years after Abraham, between 500 and 600 years after Abraham came along Moses. And now some of the key events revolving Moses, Moses wrote the five books of the law. Moses led the Exodus. Um, And so Moses is a key figure. It's about 600 years gap between Abraham and Moses. And the next kind of uh, key figures that we will talk about here in this timeline are the three kings. And those three kings are Saul, David, and Solomon. And the three kings lived around 1000 BC, so about another 500 years after Moses. These are approximate dates here, Abraham, Moses, and the three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. But about 1000 BC, we have the three unified kings of Israel in order, Saul, David, and Solomon. And the whole nation of Israel came together under uh, one nation, but unfortunately, at around 900 BC, 900 BC, uh, we have a divided kingdom. Where after Solomon, his son Rehoboam, uh, the people were not very satisfied with his ruling. So we had a divided kingdom. The, the kingdom, the nation of Israel, split into the ten northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah. And so again, that takes place about 100 years after uh, the beginning of Saul's reign. Uh, 1000 BC. So that, that's the uh, divided kingdom there. If we switch over to our new fresh board over here, move over here, we continue our timeline of the major events of the Bible. We see that we have a divided kingdom. This up here represents Israel. The 10 northern tribes, this down here represents Judah, the the two southern tribes uh, of 
of Israel. And so Israel was conquered around, uh, many believe, 721 BC. Around 721 BC, Israel was conquered by the nation of Assyria, one of the nations that uh, took place in Mesopotamia, kind of to the northeast of Israel. And so Israel, they fell away from God. They were disobedient under their their bad kings that they had. And uh, because of that, because of their disobedience, God had Assyria conquer Israel. And then Judah, Judah was a little better. Judah had some good kings, uh, some of the, the, probably the most well-known, probably Josiah King, Josiah, who started when he was just eight years old. He was one of a couple good kings that Judah had. So they were a bit better than Israel, but eventually they fell into disobedience as well. And they were conquered by 586 BC. So Judah lived about another 140 years after Israel did. So now after Judah was conquered here in 586 here, uh, that's Judah being conquered, 586, we see that the Israelites, they were taken as captives, they were taken as exiles to the nation of Babylon. And it wasn't until around, uh, this is another uh, rough ballpark date, around 500 BC that the exiles returned. the exiles returned to Israel. And so King Cyrus of the Persian Empire, he came to rule and he took over the Babylon Empire and he allowed the Jews who were living in uh, Babylon to return to the promised land after about 70 years. So the exiles returned around 500 BC and the exiles returning, establishing uh, the, the temple, establishing the walls, rebuilding uh, the city of Jerusalem, that takes place uh, throughout uh, like the next hundred years. So that's like 400 the exiles return, they are establishing uh, this uh, city of Jerusalem, reestablishing the city that was destroyed by the Babylonians. And that's where the Old Testament ends. There are no events after this in the Old Testament, no historical events. We, we could talk about prof- prophetic events that could take place later. But in the Old Testament, historical events, it does not go later than the exiles returning around 500 to 400 B.C. And then there's a long gap, a long gap of about 400 years. Then all of a sudden, as we just talked about, in the little town of Bethlehem, there was a baby boy named Jesus born in a manger. And that's about 400 years later, historians later uh, kind of view this as zero. Zero. Zero A.D. Jesus. We'll just write Jesus. Uh, Jesus is born in the town of Bethlehem. And this is where our New Testament picks up. So there's about a 400 to 500 year gap between the Old and the New Testament. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is born, the, the Messiah whom the Jews had been waiting for. And the events, so the events of the Old Testament, they start off from a long time ago. Uh, and go all the way to about 400 B.C. The events of the New Testament uh, are 
way more compact, extremely compact. Uh, We start with the birth of Jesus around 0 AD. Jesus dies around 30 AD. And then the church is established shortly thereafter. Uh, as Jesus' 12 apostles, uh, Peter uh, establishes the church in Jerusalem. And then we have evangelicals going to spread the message like the Apostle Paul. And that all takes place within about 50 years. So about 50 years, uh, again, rough ballpark there. Around 50 years, we, we see the end of the New Testament, with the the church being established and the church spreading the message, Paul and others, Silas, spreading the message to the surrounding area, uh, to modern-day Turkey and Italy and so forth. So this is a timeline of the major events of the Bible, If you can, and you don't have to remember the exact dates of these, but if you understand the general sequence of events of when these took place, you'll have a much better idea of especially the historical narrative uh, that's found in our Bible, the, the stories that take place. You have a better understanding of the context behind them. And we're talking about the five books of law, uh, the first five books of the Bible. They all take place from a long time ago. I love that, uh, by the way. From a long time ago to the time of Moses. These are the five books of the law. They take place in that section. The 12 books of history, they start after Moses with Joshua, and they continue into uh, the divided kingdom and even uh, a couple of the books of history like Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther talk about the exile. So uh, the 12 books of history, they cover about a thousand years. And most of the 12 books of history takes place in chronological order. However, not all of it, uh, which can be a bit confusing. And then when we talk about uh, the prophets, the five major prophets and the 12 uh, minor prophets, they take place in, uh, after the kingdom is divided. So after Israel and Judah are split up and up until uh, the exiles return. This, that's where uh, the 17 different prophets, that's where it can get very confusing because they, uh, they, they don't give you a ton of context clues as to when they exactly took place. But we'll take a look at that later. But that is a general timeline, a sequence of events recorded in the scriptures. And again, I'm not asking any of you guys uh, to remember uh, those dates, but if you have a general idea of when these events took place, that will go a long ways to helping you better understand the scriptures. And so the last thing that I want to uh, talk about today is to just share a couple of resources that you guys can use to help assist you in reading the Bible and understanding the scriptures. The first resource that I love and use pretty frequently are the Bible Project videos. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Bible Project, guys. A handful of us, yeah. Uh, The Bible Project guys, they are just two gentlemen who take each of the 66 different books of the Bible. They have other videos as well, but I especially love uh, their their, uh, videos on the 66 different books. And they draw out 
what happens, and they narrate what happens in five to ten minutes, what takes place in that book. So if you go, if you are technologically advanced and you go on YouTube at your house, uh, then uh, I would strongly encourage you to check out Bible Project. And, and I think you will be impressed with the material uh, that they have produced. We have to remember these are just two guys' interpretations of what takes place uh, in the Bibles, but I find their work to be uh, very reliable. Another resource that I was uh, just made aware of actually on Friday, uh, as John Tolis shared uh, with the elders and I, is an app called My Bible Tracker. I don't have my uh, phone with me, but how many of you guys have smartphones? Raise your hand. There's an app called uh, My Bible Tracker, and it tracks you. You you submit uh, what you have read in uh, the Bible, what chapters you've read, and it tells you exactly what percent of the Bible that you have read. So this is a great resource to use if you have a goal of reading through the Bible in a year or whatever. You can go, you can sign up for uh, this app, uh, My Bible Tracker, and it will help uh, track your progress as you read the Bible. You can unlock different achievements as you read, and the ultimate achievement in this My Bible track, Tracker is called a Bible Nerd. And you get this achievement, Bible nerd, if you read the entire Bible, then the app calls you a Bible nerd. And man, I would love it if we were a church filled with Bible nerds. Let's all strive to be that Bible nerd. So that's the second resource uh, that I would uh, recommend to help assist you. That one's more track your progress. Another uh, resource that I uh, have used uh, in the past um, is actually a book written uh, by my uh, professor, Bob Jones, The Five W's and One H. Uh, this is Genesis through Malachi, but he has a New Testament uh, book as well. And basically, he just covers the five W's and the one H of each of the different 66 books of the Bible. So he covers the who, what, when, where, why, and the how. It can be extremely helpful when you are starting a new book of the Bible and you don't know when it takes place or who wrote it or whatever it may be. So this is an extremely helpful resource. Um, as far as my knowledge, you can't go and like buy this on, on the uh, internet, on Amazon. You have to uh, order it through the Bible College. So if you would like a copy of this book, uh, see me after church and we will get you a copy. You can get uh, the Old Testament or the New Testament or both if you would like. He, he's kind of a quirky uh, guy and you can see uh, some of his uh, quirkiness come out in his writing. Um, but uh, very, very helpful in understanding uh, the scriptures. Another resource that I don't have uh, readily available uh, for you all um, is uh, the Ladies Bible Study and the Youth Group went through a survey of the Old Testament. And for each book, I composed a uh, survey of each of these different books. And I had to do some serious editing to compose it into one big document, but I'll have that finished by uh, the end of the series, and in total, it'll be about 100 pages of a survey of the Old Testament, talking, talking about it chapter by chapter, just some of uh, the key events that takes place throughout the scriptures. I'm sorry I don't have that available to you guys uh, today. It's going to take uh, quite a bit of editing on my uh, part. The final resource uh, that I have uh, available for you guys today, and I'll send home with all of you guys as well. Can I have a couple of, can I get, 
uh, Danny and a couple of you guys up here pass these out real quick. Pass these out, everybody. Yeah, you can take a box, Jake. Thank you. So these, uh, this is a resource that I bought uh, a couple of years ago. I wasn't really quite sure how I was going to use it, but it was a great deal. And I don't know about you, but I love a great deal. Uh, so I bought it, uh, and so I, this is not something that I uh, wrote or anything. I put it in these uh, fancy binders for you all. Um, but uh, these are a basic introduction, a basic overview of the 66 different books of the Bible. So when you're starting a new book of the Bible and you don't know when it takes place, you don't know who wrote it, uh, I would strongly encourage you guys to open your uh, Bible blueprint uh, binder now and take a look at each of these uh, different books of the Bible. If you all just take a look, if you open it up, thank you, helpers. If you open up just the first one there, Genesis, we'll just kind of cover what they talk about. Uh, it goes over how many chapters there are. It talks about uh, what category uh, this book is in. And so Genesis is, uh, says history, but then also Pentateuch. That's another uh, fancy term for the law. So it's one of the five books of the law. And then it gives an overview. So if we read in the book of Genesis, before we read, we'll learn that the first book in the Bible, Genesis, records creation and the flood through early Bible history. From around 4,000 B.C., they, they say, they give a more exact date, uh, from around 4,000 B.C. to 12, uh, 1,200 B.C. It begins with Adam and Eve, then covers the lives of Noah and Abraham, and three generations of Abraham's many descendants, and tells the stories of patriarchs Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, Wondrous workings of God amaze them, and trials and tribulations reveal their persistence and faith. So that's a basic overview of the book of Genesis. And then for each of these different books, they kind of uh, divide them into different sections. So the first 11 chapters of Genesis is the creation, the Tower of Babel. Chapters 12 through 25 is the life of Abraham. Chapters 25 through 7 is the life of Isaac. Chapters 28 through 36, the life of Jacob. And then finally, we see the life of Joseph. And so there you have all of the 66 uh, books of the Bible there. Um, and uh, I love these uh, little blueprints. They can be a big help to you to know uh, who wrote them. Uh, yeah, because also, I, I failed to mention it, it talks about uh, written around 1430 B.C., time period covered 4,000 to 1,800 B.C., and the author Moses. So it provides a lot of the context that isn't explicitly written in the book. Because when we open the book of Genesis, it starts in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it doesn't tell us an, an exact time of when these events occurred. And none, none of the 66 books say what date or what month, or some of them talk about the months, uh, but, but none of them talk about the, the year in which we have our calendar now. They, they don't talk about that in the scriptures. And so it can be very confusing, but thankfully we have resources like this readily available to us today to help us better understand um, the scriptures when we sit down and read it. And so it's my hope and it's my prayer um, that by the end of this series, that you guys aren't bored to death. 
No. Uh, well, yeah, I hope that as well. Uh, but it's my hope and prayer that by the end of this series, you guys are more readily capable and available to go take your Bibles at home, sit at your table, sit at your chair, sit at your bed, and to read God's Word on your own. There, there's no better picture in my mind than us all spending time this evening or tomorrow evening and together as a church family digging deep into God's word. And uh, that is an ultimate vision there, an ultimate goal there. And so I hope throughout this series that that practice of reading God's word will be more readily available to you because again, when we just open this book, it can confuse us at times. We've all been there, we've all done that, where we've opened the Bibles, read it for five, 10, or 15 minutes, and we ask, what in the world did we just read? And how many of you guys want to pick up that same book when you get little to no worth out of it because you don't know exactly what you are reading? I've seen that goes through a lot of our minds. And so hopefully we have a better understanding of the context and the different obstacles in our way of understanding the scriptures. Hopefully, it's my hope, it's my prayer that you all will dig into God's word on a daily basis. Uh, I thought this was a good time to start uh, this series as we're beginning a new year. Maybe for the year of 2022, you want to set the goal that, hey, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Or maybe you simply say, I'm just going to read one chapter every day for this upcoming year. Maybe you want to read the Old Testament in a year, New Testament in a year, whatever it may be. But I encourage you guys to set a goal for yourself in reading God's word. Because once a week, Sunday morning, it's not enough. There's no way around that. It is not enough. This is something you have got to be digging into on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday throughout the week. It's a miracle, nothing short of a divine miracle that we have access to this word today. If you look through history, there are tons and tons of people who have tried to eliminate our opportunity to dig deep into this word and I'm telling you, it is nothing short of God's work, God's provision, God's perseverance that we can read and study and meditate upon his word. And so I want to be a church full of Bible nerds, full of people who are reading God's word from beginning to end. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for... The miracle it is that we have access to your word. The love letter that you've uh, organized, special for each and every one of us. Father, it's my prayer that everyone uh, within this building, everyone watching online, the whole church family, that we learn, that we create healthy habits and practices of digging deep into your word so that we can learn more about your goodness, your graciousness, your love, your mercy, how awesome you are. We can learn about your son who died on the cross for our sins and, and the ministry and the lessons that he's taught us. We can learn about the promises of your kingdom as well. And so, Father, I just pray that you motivate us, you encourage us this, this upcoming year, that we can dig deep into your word and come away with an honest and true understanding and interpretation of it all. Father, we love you so much. We thank you 
for the gift of eternal life and made possible through your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.